someone from the organization for a while and it's been really um for me personally as a former teach educator it has been really fascinating to literally spend hours you know uh researching and delving into different topics um we recently uh dedicated our current issue which is the hope issue to um helping raise funds to teachingtolerance.org and we have um, you with us here today. Can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about your role um, in the Southern Poverty Law Center and, you know, and what, you know, how you got started with this type of work specifically with, um, I just, there's just so much that you do. Like I, 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 I emailed Hoyt uh, just a few days ago uh, with regards to anti-Semitism. also. It's another topic that we've been wanting to delve into. Um, but I could talk about what I've read for you to you for days. Uh, <laughs> let me let you take the lead. Um, and okay. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do, and we'll go from there. Okay. First, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm a former educator myself, and it's really, let me just say, I serve as chief of staff for the Southern Poverty Law Center right now. I'm in Montgomery, Alabama. We're working remotely just like everyone else. Yeah. Um, I've been with the center for a little over 15 years wow. so when I joined and I used to live in LA like you know Los Angeles a city <laughs> and then I um, moved to Montgomery Alabama to join mm -hmm. teaching tolerance because I was a former teacher I was a former fifth grade teacher in South Central Los Angeles and that's where I first learned about teaching tolerance and didn't really know anything about the broader work of Southern Poverty Law Center. I just knew that there was just, there was this great resource, Teaching Tolerance Magazine and like all this stuff. I just thought it was fabulous and you know, go ahead. Which is what happened to me. And then maybe a week after I discovered and had already spoken to someone from um, the organization, I'm sitting at home watching a documentary about and I, got, I cannot remember the name of it. And I'm texting Jen, because in that moment, um, they were talking about how the Southern Poverty Law Center was, were the ones responsible for taking down the KKK. And uh. I am sitting there literally with tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh my God. We j and I'm texting Jennifer. <gasps> Did you know? Did you know? <laughs> this is meant to be. Like, it was so um, just, honestly, like, it was one of those things where, like, everything happened. Because I found, I happened to find teachingtolerance.org, the website, by happens. You know, like, I was researching right. mine, and I just stumbled upon it. And I was just fascinated by the content. And right. the fact that your focus is on education, which is what I, too, believe is going to get us all out of this mess that we're in is really learning to um you know understand our differences why they're important um and what why they make us you know human beings of this mm -hmm. planet right mm -hmm. um and it's so and i have even had teacher friends who i've shared the website with who have literally said oh my god i'm integrating this into my curriculum i've already right told my principal to include it into our curriculum niche. And, I'm, and I feel like a little proud of that. I'm like, oh my God. Thank you. Proud. Oh my God. My yeah. Pleasure. My pleasure. Well, so, it, it, it's so, it's so interesting because it began in 1991 mm -hmm. and I don't know how I found out about it. I'm sure. I mean, it, it, it's typically the case that somebody like you, we share, somebody yeah. shares the magazine. Oh, this is a great magazine. It's a great resource. 
it's like there's like one across the whole school or something when and when people find out about it then you could sign up for it but i still run into people educators today who have still not heard of it right and so it's the most amazing thing to me you know we have like i don't know 400,000 subscribers and we now we try to we get the magazine which is published twice a year to every school we send you know two copies of every issue to every school in the country um, sometimes though, you know, it'll get stuck with the media director, the librarian, and then teachers don't know about it. So it, the, the word of mouth has really, really kept the program going. One of the things that I really appreciate about teaching tolerance is that you're right, it's working with educators um, and the next generation of, of you know, informed citizens. The, the, the project really seeks to um, prepare children to be full participants in, in our democracy. Um, the thing that makes teaching tolerance different from the other educational curriculum is that it's really, it's really targeted towards educators because when it began, and it's funny you mentioned the Klan thing, because when the Southern Poverty Law Center started in 71, it was just a, a civil rights law firm, and our big case was um, early cases were against the Klan. Yes. Then, though, people <laughs> realized that, oh, my God, like, these people who are involved in clan groups and clan activity are young. Yeah. So what can we do to introduce them to, this was the language then, lessons of tolerance or celebration of diversity, celebration of difference before they become susceptible to messages of hate. Yeah. So that was like the whole genesis for the program. Yeah. Also in 91, there were no, like virtually no multicultural educational resources other than a couple of dense kind of academic books um and then there was nothing free so so you put all that together and like have this fabulous you know free resource that's you know beautifully drawn and illustrated and just like speaks to all this stuff and i'm so proud of teaching tolerance like the first issue in 91 um included something on it was in la at the time oh god i forget the name of the program but it was a pride program forget what it was called then but like so teaching tolerance like from the beginning was looking at like all aspects of diversity and identity um it's still to this day is just a, like a treasure trove of of resource information if like a teacher or a parent now parents being teachers now yeah. anybody needs any kind of lesson on whatever be it yeah. anti-semitism ableism yeah. you know which is what I found when I stumbled upon, you know, obviously I was looking for a resource to um, cement the work that I knew we would do with Bella moving forward with regards to race. I was looking for a solid, you know, body of resources that, you know, something that was established. And I think that mm -hmm. that's when I eventually ended up landing on your website was like, oh, okay. So these people have been around for a very long time. They've been talking about this. They've been, they know what they're doing. Um, and to your point of it being targeting educators or, and parents, I wanted, which is the conversation that I had, um, you know, with several of your team members was like, this is so important for the regular person who's just mm -hmm. trying to learn um, and navigate the language or right. navigate the topics and, and really just seeking to understand. So that's where we, as a lifestyle publication, can come in and, and kind of tweak the verbiage a little bit so that okay. it can um just be relatable and it can be um consumed um you know not in an 
an educator's type of yeah, yeah. way. Well, and I think that the common theme too, at least that I've noticed that we've noticed talking to people, whether it's on race, LGBTQ communities, ableism, as you mentioned, it's that people feel uncomfortable talking about these things. They don't know how to talk about these things. Sometimes yeah. it's just the issue of, of getting the conversation started. Whereas if you can take it from a purely educational standpoint, these are the facts. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it a lot easier for people to start talking about yeah. every single day because you're, you're just educating yourself. There's no opinions. There's no, you know, social media and slander and all these other things. It's, it's purely education and facts, which I think is yeah. super helpful. And I feel like people respond to that a lot, a lot. You're, abso you're absolutely right. And, and combining what you both said, it provides the language and you can educate yourself. Correct. And so that's a wonderful to hear that. I mean, and we know that the, it's so adaptable. Yeah. And as you say, anyone can look at it and say, oh, oh, this is what LGBTQTI means, right? Yeah. And so and so once I, because nobody wants to say the wrong thing. Everybody's like so. Right. And, well, and I, we literally, I was just having this conversation uh, prior to our interview where I read that even now referencing, um, you know, when you say the, the, the phrase spirit animal, where you say when you're referring to, you know, trying to coin spirit animal as, a phrase it's it's offensive to appropriation some, to, it's, it's it's appropriation and i was mm -hmm. like oh my god you know we have to really find the correct words and understand and kind of but you know i think that that lack of communication is mm -hmm. what has led us to where we are mm -hmm. one and lack mm -hmm. of education because we we don't mm -hmm. know better right mm -hmm. and and when we and when we don't know we just don't know um one of the things that i um personally grateful for is uh, an article that specifically to the Black Lives Matter movement um, where the website really expands onto why teaching Black Lives Matter is important as a social movement and a moment in time in history. And um, the, the reason why I found it so powerful and helpful is because I was trying to find the right words and the right language to educate my own family. Um, mm -hmm. because I am, um, you know, I am married to, uh, a man who is from the Midwest and he, uh, you know, and in their area, in their community, you know, one of the things that my mother-in-law would say was like, but we don't experience that here. And I said right. to her, but because you don't experience it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And That's as right. the, and I said, and as the mother of, uh, of, of, of your son who is married to a person of color, you need to understand that these things have happened to me. They happen and they happen where I live. Therefore, that should at least, you know, move you to, to, to be more understanding. And she, you know, and they were very receptive. And I, and I love the fact that it opened up the, a doorway for conversation, which mm -hmm. honestly didn't, and I've been married to my, you know, we've been married 15 years. It never oh, no. happened because it wasn't a thought, right? Like, right. We, they they would see me and they wouldn't see they would just see you know they would see her daughter yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah so until now where we're like literally like are we addressing the elephant in the room like what yeah, <laughs> you know what's yeah, going yeah. on which again is where a lot of people um have kind of come to this moment and they're like I'm not saying anything because I don't even know what to say and if I right. do say something I probably say will thing. say the wrong thing um what would you say, um, you know, through the time, because you've been a part of the organization for such a long time, um, has been, you know, that you've seen the most impactful work, aside from the fact that 
we already know that you are a wealth, a treasure trove of resources, um, that, but that you have seen, I mean, the fact that Southern Poverty Law Center took down the KKK is like <laughs> a moment <laughs> powerful enough. It's like, uh, it's like that's uh, it. That's it's what like, we did. okay, we did, yeah, like, we did <laughs> that. Um, but what can, you know, what other things have you seen that since, you know, working with the organization, have you seen that you have been able to kind of influence and impact change um, in our in the world, well, in the, in the United States initially. Well, yeah. There's just like so much, right? And, and, and certainly I can't take credit for it. It's like my colleagues over the years. And yeah. like, I certainly have some favorite stories, like, oh, things that we've done. Let me, let me like couch the whole kind of organizational structure. So starting out as a civil rights law firm, we just had like very few attorneys. And then in the, the mid eighties or so, we started the intelligence project which was then called Klan Watch, that tracks and monitors hate, hate and extremist groups. Mm-hmm. And that's what got us into like this thing with the Klan and, and other hate groups and suing hate groups and tracking them and telling, you know, calling them out, that kind of thing. And that's the main, that's a main part of our work now with respect to the intelligence project. And then teaching tolerance, as I mentioned, started in 91. So it's like all of this stuff. Okay. Legal, the legal team that started really addressing um, racial justice in the South and really um, suing states like Alabama, where we are to 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 implement the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act, Act of 1965, has now expanded into like all of these practice group or different areas of focus for legal. So we have LGBTQ and special litigation, we have criminal justice reform, we have children's rights, immigrant justice, economic justice, and voting rights. So we have like I could look at the, any of them on any given day and like pull out some good stories. But one that, that, that came to mind um, a few years ago, our colleagues in the LGBTQ practice group were representing a trans woman in um, Georgia who was being held in a men's prison. And it was, you know, we got her out and then I got to meet her and we got had conversations and, you know, I was so, uh, selfishly, I was like educated through the whole thing. And, and, you know, we were able to help her and lift up her voice across our platform and telling about her story through the work that we were able to do for her. And it, you know, it also set legal precedent, you know, at least with respect to Georgia um, Department of Corrections and how they are supposed to treat people under their care. And if someone presents as, you know, their gender, then you're supposed to react in kind in that way. And they weren't doing it. And they still not, they're still not doing it. So that's like a whole body, body of work that, that I'm really, really proud of. I'm proud of the work that we do in the immigrant justice uh, project. And there's a sub-project under that called the Southeast uh, Freedom Initiative that works with uh, supporting people who are held in immigrant detention. And so, you know, we read about, we know about like all the awful and inhumane things that are happening to people who, who are, are seeking asylum or seeking to migrate into the country and how people are treated just horribly at the border. And then sometimes we forget about the people who actually get in and then they get picked up by, you know, Homeland Security and shipped off to some awful detention center in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so we began to recognize that, I don't know, 10 years ago and notice how they were like creating these private detention facilities in very remote areas of the South. 
So we literally kind of created these offices and some of them are like trailers, like <laughs> offices next to these detention facilities so that we could, so that we could represent people in detention hearings. It, it, I've been to a couple of detention hearings and it's, a like, it's like the most awful thing that you've ever seen. And if you think about our criminal justice system kind of more broadly, that's a pretty strong statement because it's awful. But the immigrant detention and how we treat people in immigrant detention, we'll like pack up the whole courtroom, chain people literally, literally chaining them together, put them before a, a judge, you know, in groups of, of 10, 6, 10, and give them five minutes. And nobody speaks the language and they have no representation. So research shows that if, if a person is represented in immigrant detention, they're 10 times more likely to like be released. And, and the release is just kind of a bail, if you will, to let them out so they can then later turn up for <laughs> or show up for their case. There's such a backlog in, in when people get to hear their, their, or try, you know, kind of advocate for themselves in terms of their um, asylum hearing or whatever the hearing is. And they're just literally kept in these detention facilities until then. That could be, and that could last years, years. years. Because our system is so screwed up, so so there's that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm happy about that. I'm happy about the kids in Montgomery, um, in Montgomery Public Schools, who who no longer have to go to a high school named after Robert E. Lee or you know a, a, a leader of the Confederacy. So, like, yeah, any given day you can. Yeah. There's there's lots to be proud of. I I'm I'm listening to you speak, and I can't help but just where my mind goes is to like, I can't believe the debate that we're having is about the treatment of people. Mm -hmm. And that is seriously like at the core where it all roots from. And it's so maddening to even have to like think about it in those terms, right? Where like, we're literally debating how to treat people like people. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't understand like I, I can't wrap my head mm -hmm. around um, how in 2020, 2020, you know, we are still having these conversations. Right. And, um, you know, I do, my, my mind wonders, and I sometimes read way too much on the internet that I should, as I'm sure many of us do what some, you know, and especially now during quarantine, like what else is there to do but read and educate yourself and spend some time, right. um, you know, and I, I, I stumbled upon an article that, literally compare like why humans give more uh give more and actually support more causes that pertain to animals than they do people and it wow is, tell uh, me about that <laughs> and uh it is honestly i was sickened and i was saddened and i because there's no you're more because there's no response right from an animal uh, no response so uh, you it may and at the end of the day it's a selfish act because you're doing it because it makes you feel better right um but if you have to admit, right, that you have biases, that you have uh, preconceived notions about a culture or a religion, then that makes you a bad person. So you don't want to reconcile those feelings. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. want you don't want to reckon with those feelings. But a dog, right. you save a puppy. Uh, yeah. But you save a puppy, and ah, you know we <laughs> save a puppy. Um, but it's really disheartening um, to really like. 
still have to have these conversations. However, I know that we can't stop. And I know that this, these are the conversations that matter. Um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, once I learned about um, the organization and I said, you know, this, because I, I remember telling Hoy specifically, I said, I need people who are vetted. We need try, backup. Like we need backup. <laughs> Uh, because I want to be able to talk about these things, <laughs> but I want there to be something that is, um, you know, cemented on legality, cemented on truth. Um, people that have right. done the, like, have literally done the work. Um, and I'm honestly really proud of, uh, you know, being connected through my company, um, being, you know, having my team back up the work that we're doing, sharing the content and sharing it in whichever way we can, because that's what we need to do more of yeah. Um, yeah. is continue to share, continue to put it out. Because um, just like you said, you know, word of mouth, people, it's unbelievable to me that every school doesn't know about teachingtolerance.org. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really is. I t I, I've already emailed my principal, you know, my kids' Thank principals you. multiple <laughs> times. I'm like, this is, do you need to be incorporating this into the school system? <laughs> Like you need to be doing that. And my husband's like, you are not. So I'm like, oh, he's gonna listen. He's gonna listen. I know he's focused on quarantine and getting kids back to school right now. But this is gonna happen at some point. Um, because it starts with us too. As That's right. Of, you know, um, just again, um, not cementing that hate and, and really talking about um, love, compassion, humanity. Um, it starts at home, um, but, and it's also supported with the school. Mm -hmm. um, and like you say, the, um it is disheartening that we're still having this conversation about how we treat human beings. And at the same time, I know that, that we, have to, we have to have that conversation and remember that we're dealing with human beings because we have, we have changed the heart and the head like at the same time. Like people can intellectualize lots of stuff and, and but it's, if, if you don't have that heart change at the same time, you're, you're, you're not gonna change really or you're not gonna be really committed to it, right? So, so, so it's really both. And it's important for us to remember that when, whenever like you strip someone of their humanity or you, you don't assign people humanity, you can treat them any old kind of way. Like, you know, I mean, you, and the same thing will happen with a dog too. You don't respect the dog, you know, like they're not fully whatever. Then you have those people who, who abuse animals. And it's the same thing that happened with people, but we do it by grouping so sadly you know by grouping okay immigrants don't deserve this okay queer people don't deserve that or black yeah. people don't deserve this you know only i deserve it right yeah. and so when you dehumanize people then that's why i i think that like immigrants and queer people are dehumanized in 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 and black people too dehumanized in ways that allows everyone else to say eh, i don't really care because the the, the society has been successful in in convincing me that they don't deserve anything anyway and right. that's i think the moment we're that we're at right now in terms yeah. of the the racial reckoning that we're having across the country and things that like the the terrible you know public murder of george floyd allow open up spaces for people to see you know because they're caught off guard and they they're like they see that and like oh my god yeah then all this other stuff comes rushing in maybe they were right or maybe oh my god yeah no nobody should be treated like that Correct, yeah. so then it opens the door to say yeah and he shouldn't and this person and brianna taylor and ahmaud arbery and then people begin to put it together and we've seen some like tremendous real heart and head change over the last you know 
few months yeah. um, since yeah. the murder of That's Mr. Been, Floyd. Now, it shouldn't have to come at that expense, of course. It should not have to come at the expense of someone's um, murder, murder, but unfortunately, right. that's where we are. Um, and um, with that, my, my last question would be for you, um, what are you hopeful uh, for, you know, not just through the work that you do, but just for, you know, our future? Because something is finally, I think, happening. Something is definitely brewing. Mm -hmm. it, you can feel it. You can feel mm -hmm. it in everyone. Um, it definitely feels very different this time around. What is your hope? I, that it continue, that we allow um, young people who were always the change agents, always, in any, in not just in the U.S., but, you know, globally, it's like young people taking it and we, and we have to, oh, me, older people have to support, support them, right? And step back and like, let, let young people create the change that they need to do within their lifetime. And then it'll come their time. Their kids will be like, oh no, we got to do it like this. So, so right now it's like, listen, learn, as you say, and, and support real change and, and continue to educate yourself if you don't understand kind of like, oh, that's weird. What are they saying? Then educate, educate yourself and learn about what people are saying and challenge your own kind of thoughts, assumptions, and ideas, because that's one of the things that we're, that we're seeing happen right now around the removal of Confederate monuments and memorials that, that is like exploded internationally and then also extended to, to um, other monuments like of, you know, that, that are demeaning to indigenous people. Like we, we have an opportunity to rethink all of that, like all of it. What do we want our public spaces to look like? What, who do we want to honor and venerate? Like, what do we want to do? Who do we want to be? Like, you don't always get these opportunities within your lifetime to kind of create that change for society and for ourselves. Yeah. And then I would say, vote. Make sure you vote. <laughs> Make sure you vote. <laughs> how, can people, how can people find um, you know you the Southern Poverty Law Center teachingtolerance.org can you please share it with our audience okay teachingtolerance is tolerance.org the word tolerance.org and that's where you'll find all the materials there you can also connect to it through splcenter.org that's s-p-l-c-e-n-t-e-r.org so you'll find you'll find us there and you know if you, if you misspell it, you'll still find us. <laughs> so well, thank you. This was uh, a really enlightening conversation. Um, we hope that it serves our listeners also, and we hope anyone watching um, as best as they possibly can. I know that I have been, um, you know, I was schooled several times reading through the website and, um, and always looking forward because I, I take out an hour every Sunday since I found you guys to just you know, peruse and, 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 and see, because it has literally redefined how I um, look at content, especially through our publication, um, oh, because I always wanted to be mindful and connected and properly worded, because that's another thing, like we have to be able to use the correct language. So um, I'm really um, heartened by that. And I can't wait to continue to do more with you and um, look forward to the next time that we have the opportunity to hopefully meet you in person. Because I know, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your thank time. You. This was really great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you both. And you too, please stay healthy. Thank you. We're trying. Same. <laughs>